Hi, lovely listener. Just a quick note. You're listening to an episode of the podcast, which was recorded before the show changed its name to Tea with Kings and Queens. So now you know. Enjoy. Tea with Queens is proudly supported by Kogarashi Coffee, who deliver in-season speciality coffee from small farms straight to your door. For a 10% off treat, head over to kogarashi.co.uk and enter the code QUEENS at checkout. That's K-O-G-A-R-A-S-H-I. Hello my loves, it's Carly Deering and welcome to Tea with Queens, the podcast where I chat to the most exciting performers from the world of burlesque and cabaret. Today's episode is especially exciting as I chat to LA-based superstar Jezebel Thunder. As any burlesque fan will know, Jezebel's performed all over the world, worked with Dita Von Tees, won countless accolades, including being voted one of LA's top burlesque performers by Time Out magazine. I was so grateful to have some of Jezebel's time and we chat via Zoom about starting out in burlesque, overcoming shyness, music and a love of London. Enjoy! So today I'm thrilled to be talking to international award-winning burlesque performer, the perfect storm, the eighth and ninth world wonder, it's Jezebel Thunder. Hi! Hi! Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate talking to you. Yeah, of course. Now, cool. So you're in LA at the moment. What's that like? Are you coming out of lockdown? What's happening out there? People are coming out of lockdown, but I am not. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Things are open, opening and reclosing. And I'm just like, I'm fine in the house. It's cool. Um, Yesterday was the 4th of July. So that's usually a big to do over here. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately. (laughs) <laughs> yeah this year, we can me, get into that <laughs> yeah this year for me is a little lackluster not that I usually go out and celebrate fully every year but this year especially I was like yeah I don't care <laughs> that seems to be the common experience at the moment I mean in my lovely social media bubble that I'm living in where everyone reflects my own views obviously but yeah so how's that been for you with everything that's been going on like well fourth of july particularly but yeah how are you dealing with the world right now and everything else i mean even just today kanye west oh yeah i heard that what's happening i know i saw someone posted something that said like don't don't fall for it don't believe it it's just to divide people more and i'm like oh my god that's probably so true like ugh, ugh. I don't want to even think about that. There's so much else going on in the world. Like, I do not want to deal with that. But, um, yeah, I just try to, uh, just try to do my thing in the house. <clears throat> do you know what I mean? Like, I've, I've been in the house, and I'm trying to do dance classes, take dance classes, keep myself busy. I'm also scrolling Instagram constantly. <laughs> but it's nice, because like you said, I feel like, I follow the right people who kind of have the same views that I do. So that's been really nice. I haven't come across anything that's been outrageous, like that's been said. So that's been nice. I just kind of like, oh yeah, repost. Oh yeah, let me talk about this. Oh, let me comment on this. So every once in a while I take that, you know, break to scroll. Other than that, I've been trying to dance and and work out as much as possible too, since I'm like living a super sedentary life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. 
and you've been doing a few digital shows as well yes how's that been what what's that experience been like for you shifting to digital burlesque it's uh it's still a learning process Mm. uh it at first was a little awkward like I'm enjoying doing them but I have a small bedroom (laughs) like I don't have a lot of space and so I try to make do with what I have and I'm you know doing this by myself like the filming of the video so I have to remind myself that whatever I do on my own is just fine because I keep I see other people doing things and I'm like okay they have a bigger space they have a partner they know how to edit like this is fine I'm just in my bedroom with this one take (laughs) option which is all you would get live anyway it's more authentic very true that is very true so I have to put all my energy into that one time because I am not gonna I'm not going to redress and then do it again five times (laughs) Yeah, some of the production values on some shows have just been insane. They're really good and they're, you know, they're helping everyone think about it differently, which is nice. But, you know, it also makes me a little sad that I don't feel like I'm at that level yet. But whatever. Besides the fact, it's fun. It's fun. Have you been enjoying it? I have. Yeah, I don't do I don't do a lot of them, which is nice. If I was doing them every day, several times a week, I probably would go nuts. But I do, yeah, there's been a, over the couple months, there's been like a good chunk of like shows I've done. Some have happened like three times a week. Some have been like one every other week. I feel like it's just the right amount for me. Because if I was doing this every day, like I was when I was performing on a stage, I would probably be burnt out of it. Because the stage is different. Like on the stage, I can do a show every day and not be burned out for some reason. But in my home, it's just too much. (laughs) And I guess you're getting no energy back from the audience. So you, yeah. there's nothing to feed on, really. Yeah, yeah. I'm just giving all my energy to this kid, my phone, because <laughs> that's why I'm filming it. <laughs> and then I just put on my pajamas and go do whatever else I was doing. That's the positive part of it. That's the part I do like, actually. Yeah. I like doing a show in my bedroom and then being done, like officially done, going back on my comfy clothes and going back to whatever show I was watching. like it's so nice as opposed to at a venue where I have to like stay around till curtain call and then you have to like sometimes you gotta mingle with people which is okay sometimes but it can also be a lot if you're having to have had a long day (laughs) I bet I bet um I've seen your Instagram you started to go out and do some photo shoots lately as well um which look quite exciting is that are you having to approach that in a completely different creative way presumably yeah I I prefer them to all be outdoors like it's been nice to have photographers to like to say like do you feel comfortable with this do you feel comfortable with that and I'm like I feel comfortable outside space apart perfect so it's like getting me in a new comfort zone too you know like having to shoot on location and I'm I feel so weird shooting on location with like stuff because I, I feel awkward having people look at me oddly mm-hmm. enough. It's really weird mentality because <laughs> on stage it's fine sometimes, but in a photo shoot being out in the public with pe- some people around, it's just like, this is awkward. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not that there's a lot of people around, but it's just a new, a different mindset when you're on location. Yeah, it's, fun. Yeah. it's fun. I like it. <laughs> so let's take you back to the start then so you've been form- performing for 11 years now so how did you get started in burlesque yeah 
let's see what's the medium version i can give of the story <laughs> oh we don't need the medium version it's up to you <laughs> um how did it all start basically i was dating a guy boy my boyfriend at the time had family in denver colorado and i there were okay backing up before that there was a show uh, that happened a lot in la at this burlesque venue actually called 40 deuce and they had live music and trained dancers doing burlesque but they weren't actually doing like full-on strip tees to pasties but they were like amazing i've seen videos like it's kind of likened to like the pussycat dolls vibe a little bit too always wanted to go and see it but i wasn't 21 yet so once i turned 21 the venue closed had closed already <laughs> So I was like, oh, great. So then we um, happened to go on a trip to Vegas and they had a 40 deuce in Vegas that was still open. And I was like, oh yeah, we're going. So we went and I absolutely fell in love with the show, like the live band and the dancing all over the room, which was like amazing. And their costumes were cool and whatnot. And so that from that point on, I was like, I have to see where I can find more of this, like in LA when I get back home, you know? And so I started seeing more burlesque shows that look like traditional shows that we see like the striptease to pasties and the theme shows and the classic shows and so they were really fun i used to go to them every once in a while and then we happened to go to denver colorado and i was like i want to see if there's burlesque in denver for some reason i don't know why i thought that and there was and we went to lenny's clock tower in denver colorado and uh, saw a show and they had a student perform and i was like what does it you can go to school and perform and wait what <laughs> so I was like, that seems kind of cool. But being my regular self, I was just like, I would never do it. I just think that's a really cool idea, but I don't see myself ever doing that. And then uh, cut to, we came back from Denver. My boyfriend signed me up for the class in LA as a surprise. And I was like, I don't want to do okay. this. Why would you do this to me? I don't want to do it. And then I was just like, you know what? Just get over your fears, push yourself out of your comfort zone and just do it. And then the rest is where we are now. <laughs> what was that first class like for you? It was, it was awkward because I, I am awkward sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, don't know how to be super social. Like I've learned how to be better about being social, but I was just so worried about not knowing anybody in the class. Mm -hmm. And then it was a dance class. So I was just like, cause it was a school of burlesque, but he put me, he signed me up for the intermediate level love because he didn't know anything and the the person who's now my friend jewel like called him and said well has she had dance experience do you think she'd be comfortable learning choreography and he was like oh yeah she loves to dance like it's totally fine that's how i got put in that class particularly and so i was like nervous about having to learn choreography nervous about jumping into a class where i didn't know anybody because usually if i go to a dance class i bring a friend with me yeah yeah I have anybody with me <laughs> I was terrified, but those are, those people that I took classes with are now like friends of mine. So I, you know, I just had to learn how, oh, to, wow. how to get over it. <laughs> so I imagine the quality of these classes in LA was pretty decent because so many classes sprung up in the UK, I don't know, maybe 10 or so years ago. And the quality was pretty varied, I gotta say. So this must've been pretty good. Yeah. I feel like that, that is a thing. Like, Everyone thinks they can teach a burlesque class, but not everybody actually can. But I, I think I was fortunate enough to jump into it that many years ago when there, I think they were the, I think the classes I took, they were the only ones doing it at the time that I 
that he found because obviously he Googled it and that's what came up. So I think they were the only ones teaching at that point in time. But yeah, nowadays you can go anywhere and there's like a million classes that are like not even burlesque or just more like choreography. Yeah. And then he, you know, he, he fortunately found a school. So it was like the art of striptease is what they were teaching. There was like a session of classes, you know, so. So how did you go from that to being Jezebel Thunder and being on stage and doing your own thing? Basically, I had to push myself out of my comfort zone because I was um, simultaneously going to grad school to get a degree in uh, therapy. And I was just like, I, if I'm going to be anyone's therapist at any point in time, I need to learn how to, how to have confidence in myself and how to, how to talk to people, how to be present, how to like, you know, all those things that you need to do that. And I was not that person. I was very much a super shy wallflower person. So I had to push myself out of that. And that's like, and so when the opportunity came up to do the, um, the advanced level class and then pay for that and then learn how to build an act, I was just like, fuck it, just try it. Just at least push yourself to say that you did it one time. Wow. And then that one time spiraled from, it just snowballed, <laughs> basically. It went it just, pretty well. So the, the therapy thing never happened. <laughs> no, I, I did finish, but I didn't start practicing, obviously, or do anything like that. But yeah, it just, it just snowballed because from that one show, a producer, Lily Von Stupp, who had a weekly show, came to that show that we graduated with. And she was like, oh, you guys are welcome to come do my show. And so I came and did her show. Wow. And then somebody else approached me from that show. And they said, well, I have a show here. And it literally just snowballed <laughs> into like. And did you create the name and everything during your classes? Was that part of it? Yeah, I had to come up with a name. So my sister helped me actually, once I decided to tell her what I was doing, because <laughs> that was a little touch and go. <laughs> but she kind of helped me come up with a name because um, Thunder, Jay Thunder is my nickname from like high school or college a bunch of friends of mine just started calling me that I don't know why still to this day but um, that's what stuck and so I was like I kind of want my name to be like my nickname so she kind of helped me formulate the Jezebel part but the thunder part the J thunder was always there (laughs) but yeah so how did you overcome nerves then because you said you were like a wallflower so what was that first proper performance like and things like that do you still get nervous now is that something you've sort of developed over time to get through it I totally get nervous I think it is the feeling that I get when I'm on stage especially that first time is like a fight or flight it's a fight or flight moment Mm -hmm. when you're getting ready to step on stage in front of people you're like I'm either gonna do this or I'm gonna like cry and run away I was just like my brain was like no do it just effing do it and just say you did it and just go for it no matter what happens. And once you get on that stage, you know, some, I've actually seen some people get on a stage and their brain goes, Oh, I messed up. Oh my God, I'm done. I need to start all over again. I need to walk off. Like yeah, I've seen that yeah. happen. Yeah. It's like mortifying. <laughs> or if the music doesn't start at the right time or something like that, I've seen that before and it must throw you off. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. But, but some people have that, in their brain that tells them like, Oh no, I can't, I got to start all over again. Like, no, no, no. But something in my brain goes, just 
go, just keep going, just do it. Just whatever happens, happens. And you're probably going to cry about it later, but just keep going. <laughs> well, what's the, wor- what's the worst thing that could happen to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the worst thing for me is embarrassment. That's <laughs> like <laughs> feeling embarrassed, but you know, everyone tells you, and it's very true. Like no one knows what you're supposed to be doing up there. Mm-hmm. They have no clue. Only, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. So, and that's something I have to remind myself to this day still, like nobody knows what you're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. only you know. So whatever happens, just keep going. <laughs> I've seen you post recently about how burlesque is sort of quite intertwined with your body confidence. Mm-hmm. Is that something that's sort of built up over time as well? Yeah, yeah, that has for sure. I, I feel like a lot of who I am now as a person, I can credit to like taking burlesque classes and like doing it on stage for sure. Because I was, if you would have met me before this, you would have been like, how does this person become Jezebel Thunder? Mm -hmm. I'm confused. (laughs) It's different. I just, it's another thing where you just kind of have to get over it because you're not, it's not like a really quick get over it. Cause I've have to, it's like a, it's not like a burst of like, okay, just cold turkey, just get up there and show yourself. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like um, a trajectory kind of thing. Like, I know, I remember for the longest time, I would not wear a thong and I wouldn't wear, I would not go on stage without fishnets. I had to have fishnets and full bottom underwear. And then eventually I was like, okay, let's get rid of, let's put on a thong. Let's do the thong. But I was like, I'm still putting on my fishnets. And then one day I had no fishnets. I forgot them and I was like, oh God, what do I do? And I just got on stage and did it. And I was like, you know what? That wasn't so bad. Like I just, <laughs> just get over it. You know what I mean? You have to, you, you grow and you learn. And I remember even when I first started doing shows, like being in the dressing room with people and people were just like, the seasoned people were just like naked, walking yeah. around, like standing in front of me and talking to me. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you, you have no clothes on. Like get away from me. It was weird. <laughs> And I would go and like hide and like undress all the time. Like that was a thing. But now I've just been like, whatever, like it's my body and I I accept it for what it is. And it's gotten me to where I am and it's fine. Like you just, yeah, it's just this, your mentality shifts over time. You just get more and more comfortable with who you are because you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position, vulnerable position on stage in front of thousands sometimes of people yeah I I wanted to ask you about different sizes of venue and different types of venue and sort of how that makes you feel because you know you can be I've I've seen footage of you performing in massive venues and then much more intimate venues where the audience is really up close to you and I wondered how that feels because burlesque to me usually the audience is quite far back and they're not so close say compared to some drag shows I've gone to where you're really up close with the performer so how does that change your perception and when you're on stage and all of that kind of thing how does that work for you uh you how do I I'm trying to think of how I put this you just it's a mentality thing like in an energy thing and I for me personally I don't consciously say this but I know I do it like just automatically is I I give the same amount of energy no matter what the audience size looks like even if like I'm more comfortable in I can do it more easily if it's a medium size or hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. I remember I did, um, or if there's also two people, it's very awkward, but you still have to give the same yeah. amount of energy. 
but because I've had I've had that moment where it's been like five people in the audience and you're just like oh god but you still have to like give the same energy you can't be less because that's not fair to them or your performances are so full of energy as well (laughs) so you're shooting it out there (laughs) yeah I hope to but I remember doing um UK Black Pride I think that was like the biggest audience I ever performed for Mm -hmm. ever I will never forget um Cocoa Butter Club Sadie Center had me um on the, the bill for that show for that event and I didn't know what it was. I was just like, oh, it's UK Black Pride. It's because Pride had happened before. And I was like, oh, this is cool. It's going to be maybe a little smaller. Because it was near. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, I'd had no idea. It was near the RVT. So I was just like, okay, I know the RVT. I performed there. It's tiny. It's going to be in the venue. And then I got off the bus and I walked to the RVT and I saw a line around the corner, like from the bus stop almost. And I was like, what the, what the, and I kept walking. And I was like, oh, it's outside at the park and there's a giant stage and there's thousands of people. (laughs) And I was like terrified. I was so scared. And then the fact that like, it was just going to be me, this one small person on this massive stage in front of thousands of people at a festival. I was like, how, how do I do this? How do I entertain all these people when it's just me? And I mean, you're going to entertain them because they're going to love it once the things are off. So I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> but like, how do I keep their attention up until that point? It was just like this. Oh my God. It was like this crazy thing going on in my head. I was like, I can't, this is going to suck. I was like, this is going to be terrible. They're going to hate it. And they loved it. And of I course. just had that energy I got back. was just like, so fun that I have not had that same experience again. I've performed for lots of people, but just that moment of me having this idea of my head about what it was going to be and then how it actually turned out was just like, <gasps> what? <laughs> that was epic. That was such a great, it was a good feeling. So yeah. what else for you so far has, has been a highlight? I do want to ask you about um, competitive burlesque, but aside from, and how well you've done in, in that and all the accolades you've won, but aside from that, what else has been a highlight for you? Um, yeah, aside from that, aside from the first runner up, that was like, just that, (laughs) (laughs) that was a fun thing, uh, a really more than fun thing. Um, getting to do some shows with Dita was awesome. Mm. was really cool. Um, getting to be part of tease if you please in LA, which is like one of the biggest shows in LA is beyond. I've been doing it for since day one for six years now, seven years this year, maybe we've been doing it. But that's like, I have so I have too many highlights. <laughs> that's good. That's what you need. Okay, well, let's talk about competitions then. Okay. So 2018, first runner-up in the Burlesque Hall of Fame. What was that whole process like for you? Where do you even start when you know you're going to do it? How do you start putting that performance together? Uh, ugh, that is like, that. that is the stress ball for sure. <laughs> it's it's awesome when you get the because I I never think I'm gonna my friends will tell you I never think I'm gonna get anything positive in my life sometimes so when something (laughs) happens I go it's like this my heart sinks and I go oh my god my heart like sinks and stops and then immediately my mind goes okay now stress out (laughs) (laughs) so that's I never expected to get accepted like at all and then when I got accepted I was like oh my god this is amazing and then the next hour I was like 
oh my God, my costume is terrible. Oh my God, what do I need to do? I need to fix it. It was like months away. And I was like, I need to fix this. I need to make sure I rhinestone this. Who do I call? I like called my friend who makes costumes for me like immediately. And I was like, okay, this is, I think it was like March. And I was like, the competition is in June. I need your So help. you don't get very long. No, I mean, the, the I, you don't get too long, but the idea is that, not the idea, but the thing is that you already have this act. Okay. So that what you want to do is you want to, you want to build it up a little bit more. So you can't change anything. You can't completely change it, which is nice, but you want to elevate it, you know? So I knew immediately I'm like, okay, I needed, cause I wrote in my application that the costume was going to look a little different. So I was like, I need someone to make this for me now. I text my friend. I was like, I need my feather fans to be fixed and made bigger. Cause they're too, they're too small right now. So I immediately jumped on this like stress train. <laughs> Does everything just have to be bigger for a competition like that? Just get more rhinestones, bigger fans. Just I think that's the mentality that most people have. It's not the it's not fact, but it is the mentality for sure. So I just I rode that stress train up until my name was called to go on stage. <laughs> and then how did it feel performing? Do you remember it? <laughs> I remember, I remember being side stage, the person before me, and I remember being in my costume and just telling myself, you know what, just breathe, because I didn't expect to win anything. I was just like, I'm not going to win anything. I, just, like, I was like, just let that go. Let that feeling go. Just all I, you care about right now, all I want to happen is for this to go seamlessly just perfect. That's all I care about. I don't care if I win anything. I don't care if people like it or don't like it. I just want this to be good for me because leading up until that moment, like I got my fans double layered and I was having a hard time moving with them because they're heavier and the wind resistance is (laughs) different, which I had no idea. Obviously science tells you that's a thing, but I had no idea. So I was struggling with that. I had this like little belt around my dress. The only thing that really was, it was a small costume piece, but it kept getting knotted on itself every time I did it. And I was just like, I just want, I just want this belt to come off like it's supposed to. I want my fans to not break apart and not, I want to be able to use them like properly and not be, you know, not have be tense with them because they were heavier. It just had so many issues leading up until that moment. And I was just like, I just want this to go seamlessly. That's all I care about. And so then they called my name. I went on stage and I did it. And I was like, that was the most perfect performance I think I've ever done. Like, I was so happy about it. And again, I didn't think I was going to win anything, but I was just happy that it went well, you know, and that I didn't fall. I didn't break anything. Nothing got, there was no real miss like um, costume malfunctions, you know? So I was pretty happy afterwards and then when they called my name I was utterly shocked (laughs) I was very shocked because I also I knew people in the competition so I was like oh this person's gonna be third it's gonna be second because I I knew the acts they were doing too so I'm like oh yeah hands down these people are in my top three and so when they called my name I was like wait what (laughs) and then what what was the fallout like after that because everything just sort of explodes when they get announced yeah that I remember that party was just even more fun than usual the after party it was just like yeah it was a very surreal moment in time like that I had this giant trophy walking around with me (laughs) did it change the way you felt 
towards burlesque when you started sort of winning awards and getting accolades for your performances? No, I don't think so. Uh, that's a good question. I don't think it has changed with the way I think about it. Competition isn't every isn't everything to me. Mm. Like when it's weird, it's a weird thought process because my goal was just to get on the stage at Behoff. My goal was never to like, I want to be queen. I need to be queen. I need to win all these things. Like that's not how I think. I just like, it was an honor to be on that stage. The three times I was on that stage, <laughs> I think it was three. I did debut and I did queen twice. Yeah. So three times to get mentioned to be on that stage was just like huge to me. That was a big thing. So winning first runner up was something I never expected to do. It just, I think getting on that stage to me means that for me, again, I just say personally, cause it's not for everybody, but it, it's nice to be recognized by burlesque hall of fame and be seen in front of hundreds of your colleagues essentially mm. people you looked up to too you know so that's really meaningful to me would you do it again I totally would okay. yeah I definitely would again but it's it's this hard thing because I'm like I want to do it again but do I need to be queen like is that is that why I'm doing this again I don't know because I'm like if I won queen what the heck would I do mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm I would like to it'd be nice but yeah my goal is just to like get on that stage to know that I have an act that's good enough, even though that's not what that means. It's not, that's not how Behoff is. That's just how I view it mm-hmm. in my head. Everyone has a different idea, you know? And what inspires your performances? Music for sure. First and foremost, <laughs> I was actually just having this conversation with friends yesterday. Is it just like, I hear music and I'm like, that's an act. And then my brain goes, I have no idea about costumes. Like, I'm not a costume person. My okay. brain doesn't know what to do. Like, it takes me a while to think about how I want it to look. But music is first and foremost, for sure. And music sometimes dictates, like, a fabric choice or, like, a flow or or a color. But when it comes to, like, designing something, I wouldn't. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> So would you then you then take your ideas to your designers and talk it through in that kind of way? And I sit, I actually sit with my music. I listen to my music all the time. If I have an act, I listen to the song over a million times (laughs) and I just listen to it over and over again. And then I start piecing together what I think a costume would look like. And then I take it to somebody. It just takes me a long time. Like some people can easily be like, here's my costume. And it's just this, this most magical thing that is so hard for me. It takes me a long time to come up with an idea of what I want it to look like. So, and then once I have that frame of mind, I take it to like my friend, a friend of mine. And I'm like, okay, can you help me make this? And then she'll make it just the way I want it. <laughs> and musically, I mean, you use all sorts of stuff, don't you? Classical pieces or modern stuff. It, it, there's no particular area that you're kind of focused on. No, it just, whatever. I love music. I, I can't live without music. <laughs> I need it in my life because it helps me it it brings different music different genre bring about different emotions you know it's for everybody not just for me and so I love it all if it if any if I hear a song that makes me feel a certain way and it makes me picture it being on a stage then I do it It doesn't matter what it is it could be country it could be opera it could be anything 
as long as it makes me feel something. What are you listening to at the moment? Anything in particular? Uh, I'm currently still obsessed with The Midnight, this like uh, 80s new wave sounding band from LA. I love them so much. I did an act to one of their songs finally with a live saxophone player. It was amazing. (laughs) It was so great. (laughs) But I, I listen to them a lot. Um, the Hamilton soundtrack is mm-hmm. <laughs> on repeat all the time. <laughs> and uh, what else have I been listening to? This artist called Victoria Monet. And she's also from LA, but she's like R&B-ish kind of thing. Yeah. Those are on a heavy rotation in my car. Also Frozen, the soundtrack from Frozen right now. is a big <laughs> Frozen 1 or 2? <laughs> Frozen okay. <laughs> see i listen to everything and anything it's eclectic it's good it's good um so what keeps burlesque exciting for you and fresh after 11 years what excites you about it still mm, the music and the places i can go and the people i get to meet and the different acts i can create <laughs> all of that everything <laughs> not one thing in particular but yeah just the, the creating an act is stressful. It can be stressful, but it's still nice to like be able to create it and then have an end product. And you're like, oh my God, I worked so hard on that. And that one piece of music inspired this big thing that I get to share with other people. And it takes me to places where I get to meet new people and see new things. Do you discuss those ideas with other performers when you're putting together an act or do you keep it quite private? Hmm. I, I do pick and choose who I tell things to. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> like my best friends, of course, I tell them like all the things because uh, they also perform. But um, yeah, I do. Sometimes I tell certain people and not tell certain people because certain people I am still like, I don't know if I trust you fully because there is that idea of like, if I tell you this and give you this idea, you could potentially take it and do it. And um, I don't know. Burlesque strikes me as fiercely competitive. Hmm. Yeah, it can be. That's for sure. Yeah. I I tried not to get involved in all that. Yeah. Stuff. So that's why, like, I don't do a lot of competitions. Like, for me, I, I pick and choose what competitions or festivals even I'm going to do. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a person who wants to do everything and all the things. I'm just like, this is meaningful to me. This is meaningful to me. It's all I care about. <clears throat> like, Beehoff is meaningful to me. New Orleans was, like, a big a thing for me that I really cared about. And I think that was pretty much it. Like, I care. I like the festivals, but, you know, I'm not going to be shelling out thousands of dollars for every festival because that is costly. <laughs> if yeah, they invite man. me to perform, I am more than happy to do it, but I can't afford to do all the festivals to try to win all the things <laughs> well speaking of festivals then tell me about um Jeezy's Duke joint it's really hard to talk about <laughs> um a lot of fun yeah the one I I've done it once in in Chicago which is where it, like I think it started it was in Chicago so years ago when I was starting out I applied to that festival because I was like this is going to be like a big fun one I know it so I applied and I got accepted and I performed and it was a great 
24 hours in Chicago because <laughs> I had to like, I think I got there on a Saturday and I had to leave Sunday. So I was literally, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was just there for a short while. So getting to do it in San Francisco when she and Redbone combined forces and did it, it was really nice to be able to be a part of all every day of it and see it and be, you know, in it and getting to hang out with a bunch of black performers that I don't get to perform with often because that is a sad reality in burlesque is that there you don't see many black performers on stage at the same time on, in one show, maybe one or two, but not typically more than that. <laughs> yeah. So I um, heard you talking at the empowerment in heels webinar recently, cause she was the, the key speaker for that on racism and prejudice in burlesque mm-hmm. and about sort of ways to move forward. What was that experience like for you? Cause you, you sort of become a spokesperson. Now yeah, that was your industry. That was fun, but I am not a spokesperson or expert, (laughs) like at all. I am still learning things that people are learning at the same, like we're all learning together. Um, It was, it was cool experience, but I was just like, I was super worried about it because I'm like, I don't want people to take anything I say out of context and I don't want people to think this is how everyone feels. This is just my experience and I'm happy to talk about my experience and hope that it resonates with some people, you know? So there was a, it was a cool experience. A lot of people signed up to listen, but I was just like, I was super worried about it because I have a different experience growing up in Los Angeles than as a black person, than someone growing up in the South as a black person. Yeah. Like clearly and doing burlesque in the South as a black person or wherever is different. Not even just the South. It can be anywhere. It's different from doing burlesque as a black person in LA. Like it's just, and we all have our different experiences, but I think there are some commonalities, but again, it's, you know, it's different for everybody, but yeah, it was nice to talk about stuff and get stuff off my chest a little bit yeah. <laughs> and thoughts out of my head, you know, and have people listen to the things. Um, but yeah, that, that was something that kind of like struck me actually from, something I learned from the Cocoa Butter Club in the UK, actually doing those shows is that Sadie, I will never forget that moment. I was at, um, where the heck? I was at her upstairs in Camden and doing a show doing, I think we were doing lads. It was like a Cocoa Butter takeover of lads. And, um, she was on stage and she, Sadie said, having one black burlesque performer in your show does not make you diverse. And I was like, I literally, because I was sitting next to Demi. I think Demi was there, Demi Noir. And I looked at her and I was like, oh, that is, so, oh my God, that is so true. And it, it just like my brain went, look, started thinking about all the shows I've done over time. And I was like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, that is the real thing. There's never more than one of us sometimes mm-hmm. in some shows. What the heck? Yeah. So that like really opened my mind. Then that was years ago, sadly years ago (laughs) but it really has stuck with me and then now with everything that's happening now it's just like oh yeah 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 people are having those moments like I had where they're just like oh yeah yeah no I see this and we're gonna change we're gonna shift this for sure so I think things are shifting now I think they have been shifting but I think people are really paying attention even more nowadays Mm -hmm. like today (laughs) than they were yeah and they're trying harder which I appreciate yeah so, so, so I think there's there's some really good conversations being had it's just keeping up the momentum isn't it mm-hmm. yeah we're all, we're all back into sort of normal 
life again and out there. Yeah, which is something I'm like, I'm worried, a little bit worried about, but also hopeful about at the same time. Like I have all these mixed emotions because part of me is just like, uh, part of my my pessimistic brain, which I'm often pessimistic, is like, this isn't going to last. Like people are going to forget. No one's going to care after a couple months. But part of my brain is like, no, be hopeful. Things are happening and that they will stick. And people, this like, and so when things are open, I'm really excited to see where this takes us, you know, and how, how things will start to look differently. I'm a little excited for that. <laughs> so in normal life, sort of pre-corona lockdown, mm-hmm. what, what would your average day look like? Do you have an average day? I do have an average day. Go on. But I'm going to spill the beans about what I do during the day. <laughs> I don't want to get fired, <laughs> but I do. I have a, I have a regular day job and a schedule. And so that takes me from a regular nine to five. And then I do shows till like one o'clock in the morning. And then I get up at six o'clock in the morning and I do my job. And then I go do like, yeah, <laughs> <It's a lot. laughs> this, this lockdown made me realize even more. So I, I say it, I've said it before. Like I need to slow down. I need to slow down. And you take some time and chill because I'm going too full speed and doing too many things. And I tell myself that and I go, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I keep doing it. But being on lockdown, I was like, wow, I really did do too many things. <laughs> and I really do need to slow down and like not say yes to every single thing. Yeah. So, so that's why some of the virtual shows, I've been more confident in saying, yeah, I don't feel comfortable doing that today. Like, I don't really want to do this one. But I'll do this one. But this one's jam-packed my my week, so I'm not going to do it. Like, I've been better about that. I can't imagine doing a show if you don't have the energy for it or if you're not really feeling it. That must be really hard. Yeah, Yeah, but it it is. It can be. But my weird brain, because I have a weird brain, like, there's been a couple times I'm like, I don't really want to be in doing this show right now. Like, I said yes, and I'm like, yeah, totally. But then I'll have a long day at work, and I get there, and I'm like, I really don't want to do this. But then what will happen is adrenaline kicks in and I will stay till two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> is there just... something about like putting the costume on that re-energizes you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And then being with certain people that you like, you know, you're just like, okay, fine. But leading up until that moment, you know, I'm sitting at the bar, sitting in the dressing room, just like looking at my phone, like, okay, let's get this over with. <laughs> but then I do it and I'm like, okay, this is why I do this. Cause it's fun. I remember. <laughs> And who do you enjoy watching? Who I so many people. Oh, I can say so many people. Uh, locally in LA, I really enjoy being with and watching Tito Bonito. That's my best friend. And Jake Dupree and Donna Hood and Michelle Amore and all these like, all the people I get to perform with regularly, like a tease of you, please. But if I stretch it out more out of LA, <laughs> I would probably say, gosh, there's so many. I really enjoy watching Pearl Noir, Coco Electric, who I haven't seen perform in so long. I really enjoy watching her perform a lot. She was like somebody I looked up to when I first started, for sure. Like, I remember that moment of watching her and I was like, I want to be like her. (laughs) (laughs) I love watching Medianoche. Like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. Yeah. Ginger Valentine like so there's so many people yeah, there's so many. 
Okay, so my final question then for you, what's next after all this corona rubbish is over and you can get back to performing again? What are you excited to do and what are your plans for the future? I'm excited to get on a plane and get to London. <laughs> that's what I'm excited for. <laughs> Honestly, that's all I can really think about is, I mean, I obviously want to stay here and develop new acts, but I'm also just like, I just want to go to London again because it's, beca- it's become a yearly thing. Last year, I went twice. Last year, I was there for summer and Christmas and my birthday, which is in December. And yeah, I don't, I just love it. I'm obsessed. I've been obsessed with it since I was a child, but I even love, I love doing shows over there too, because audiences are very, even more receptive. I, cause I think the difference is that even though, even though for some reason, I think English people, sorry, I hope this is like offensive thing, but sometimes I think the misconception is that English people are like prudish. Yeah. 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 But, more English people know and have been to a burlesque show than people in America. Like, 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 so people know what it is. A lot of people, like anyone on the street in London knows what burlesque is and has been to a show at least once. And they come to the shows with a different lens. And like, It's interesting you like London audiences because they get a bad rap usually because it's like, oh, they've seen everything. and <laughs> Really? I don't know. So that's like, good to hear. I mean, not, there's, there's so many different styles in London too. Like people doing burlesque, so many different kinds, but I have like one time it was at, well, I've been to Celador lots of times performing, but I remember once the first time I was there or second time, I don't know, the, the guy, the store guy that was there was just like, I've never seen anyone do burlesque like you have. He's like, that was different. We don't see that much here in this, like in the city, but I think he met at the venue and he's like, that was re- that was awesome. That was great. You have to come back all the time. And so I feel like maybe I bring something different. Maybe I have, and I've actually been to a show, been at a show there too. And someone was like, oh, you must be the U.S. performer. Because they didn't specify that on stage. They were just like, we have someone special from America. And after the word, someone in the audience was, you must be the American performer. And I was like, how can you tell? <laughs> Like, how do you know? Because when I'm over there, I try to be like quiet and inconspicuous and not call attention <laughs> to myself, you know, I just want to be part of the world <laughs> in London. So I try not to like talk <laughs> or, you know, but they called me out and I was like, how did you know? And they were like, you just, something's different about the way you perform. And I was like, hmm, I don't know what that is, but some, I don't know. So maybe, I don't know what I'm saying, but. Brilliant. Yeah. Do you do all the tourist stuff as well when you're in London? Have you done all that? Um, a little bit. I think the first time I was there visiting, I did, but not fully in it. Like I didn't want to spend all my money doing touristy stuff. Yeah, that's so yeah. I walked. I walk every time I'm there. I walk everywhere. Like I literally. I remember the first few times there. I was like, I'm taking the tube everywhere. <laughs> why would I get on the bus? Like I'll take the tube and I'll walk like whatever. But now that I've been there so many times, I'm like, uh, I'll take the bus and I'll just walk. The bus is faster and it's better and I get to see more things. And I, so yeah, I just, I walk everywhere. And so my first few trips there, I was like, okay, I'll walk by Buckingham palace. I'll walk by the tower of London, but I didn't pay money to go actually see it inside like the tower. You didn't need to. 
Yeah, no. I try to do the out the out of the norm things. And so now that I've been there so many times, I really the main thing on my list when I go there is to do the go to the VNA and see what they have going on. Like that's my that's my one thing for sure that I always yeah. do every year that I go there is like I have to see the new exhibits. But other than that, I just I walk go to lots of food markets a lot because they're everywhere Yeah, <laughs> and eat all the vegan food I possibly can because I I love how much the city has accepted veganism because <laughs> when I first started going there it was not a thing it's very hard yeah, to it has taken a while and it was very expensive as well it is but it is so good it's delicious like I, I still like on my Instagram, I'm, I save things and I'm like, okay, when I go back, I'm going here, I'm going here. <laughs> so do you have, do you know yet next year when you're going to come back? Can you plan that far ahead or are you just hanging back and waiting? I think I'm hanging back and waiting. Yeah. Uh, my flight, like I said, my flight got canceled. I was supposed to be there tomorrow. <laughs> oh, no, Tuesday. Cause today's Sunday. I was supposed to leave tomorrow, but it got canceled. And so they are giving me credit Actually, I bought a one-way ticket, <laughs> so oh. I had plans, and they just got squashed completely. <laughs> so, well, I, I really appreciate you talking to me <laughs> today instead of being in London. But um, I really hope one day I can head down and see you perform in person. Uh, yeah. it's, been, it's been great talking to you today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for letting me ramble on and on. I hope there's some. <laughs> anytime anytime <laughs> thank fun. you thank you hi again it's carly thanks so much for listening to the show if you want to find out more or get in touch head over to tea with kings and queens.com <laughs>